Again, we are in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, a message I've entitled simply Jesus' Baptism. Jesus' Baptism, beginning in verse 13. Please stand with me out of honor to God and His Word as I read. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Thank you. You may be seated. As we look today at Jesus' baptism, I want to just jump right into it. First of all, looking at Jesus' insistence. Jesus' insistence. Jesus goes to see John to be baptized. Uh, that's the point of the text here. The idea is there was one reason, one reason only why Jesus went there. He went to be baptized. He did not go there to investigate to see what John the Baptist was up there. He didn't go there to fellowship with his second cousin, John the Baptist. That's not why he went. When you read the text, Jesus went with one purpose, one purpose in mind. I'm going to go to the river. I'm going to see John, and I'm going to be baptized. And notice what Jesus says about his baptism. He says that his baptism will fulfill all righteousness. It will fulfill all righteousness. Verse 15 there. Now please understand this. Baptism does not make you righteous. Baptism does not make you righteous. Baptism is an act of obedience to God. And therefore it is an act of righteousness. Now, if you think just getting dunked under the water is going to make you a righteous person, just getting dunked under the water is making you a good person, just being dunked under the water is going to give you your ticket to heaven, you could not be more wrong. Baptism does not make you righteous, but baptism is an act of obedience to God and therefore is an act of righteousness. Write this down. Acts of divine obedience are always acts of righteousness. Acts of divine obedience are always acts of righteousness. Again, water baptism doesn't save you. Water baptism doesn't save you. It couldn't save you. It is a symbolic act. Symbolically, it shows the washing away of our sins. Symbolically, it shows that we are dying to our old way of life and rising to live a new life. Symbolically, we are identifying with Jesus' own death. And symbolically, we are demonstrating our own present and future resurrection. And even though baptism is symbolic, the mode of baptism is important to the symbol. What do I mean by mode? Well, that's how you were baptized. For instance, there's three ways to be baptized. There's sprinkling where uh, somebody takes uh, some water and just sprinkles on your head. The other kind is pouring where they take a pitcher, kind of like I used here, and they pour it over you. And the third kind in which we participate here is immersion, going all the way under the water. So water baptism is symbolic, but the mode of baptism is important to the symbol. Sprinkling, if you have a Methodist friends, Presbyterian friends, Episcopalian friends, they sprinkle. If you know any Amish or Mennonites, they pour. But we baptize by immersion because it is the only one that shows death, burial, and resurrection. You sprinkle somebody, that doesn't show death, burial, and resurrection. You pour on somebody, that doesn't show death, burial, and resurrection. But when you immerse somebody, the symbol is very powerful. It's very strong. Death, burial, resurrection. Speaking of the modes of baptism, a young son of a Baptist minister saw his father baptize somebody by immersion. 
Well, the experience really fascinated the boy, so the next day he decided to reenact what he had seen by baptizing the family's three cats in the bathtub. Now, the first two candidates were kittens, so they endured it pretty well. However, the old family tomcat was having none of it. And so the old cat hissed, clawed at the boy, tearing his skin, and finally got away. The boy gave chase, eventually caught the cat, and proceeded with the ceremony. This time the cat acted worse than before, biting and scratching the boy's face. So the boy splashed some water on the cat's head and dropped the cat to the floor in disgust. And as the cat ran away, the boy yelled, Fine, go ahead and be a Methodist. (laughs) Water baptism doesn't save. But there is a baptism that does. There is a baptism that does. Look with me up in verse 11. John the Baptist says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now that is a baptism that saves. But watered baptism never did and never will. Only Jesus can give this baptism of the Holy Spirit as he fills a repentant soul with his spirit. It is not speaking in tongues. It is the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, he comes to live in your heart through his spirit. That is baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is saving baptism. John also says in verse 11 that he'll purge people with fire. It's interesting, the symbol of fire we see both in the Old and New Testament is a symbol of the presence of God. And that's exactly what we're talking about here when God himself, God's presence comes to live inside of each and every one of us as believers. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My friends, don't get baptism out of order. Some people do, whether they're baptized as infants or they're baptized even as adults. Sometimes they get baptism out of order. The first step in being baptized Receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Believe Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. That he was buried for your sins. And the third day he rose again from the dead. That is step number one. Step number two. Confess your sins to him. Thirdly, be baptized in believer's baptism. Why believers? Because you've already believed. You've already received Christ as your Savior. And then fourthly, begin to serve God. A lot of people get it out of order. They get baptized first and maybe they believe later on. Or they get baptized and they never believe. Or they never get baptized. Or they're serving and they've never confessed their sins. Very easy. Receive Christ as your Savior. Believe. Secondly, confess your sins. Thirdly, be baptized. Fourthly, get busy and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's get back to Jesus' baptism. Why was he baptized anyway? I mean, this seems kind of strange. Why would he get baptized in the first place. He did not need salvation like we do. He had no sins to confess like we do. Why in the world would he be baptized? Well, number one, he identified with sinful man. He identified with sinful people like you and me. The Apostle Paul picks up on that in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so he identified with sinful man. Not only that, he predicted his own death and resurrection. When John the Baptist took Jesus and dunked him under the water, there was a picture, a symbol of death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus' own, that was yet to come. I want to tell you that when you see the word baptize in your Bible, it comes from a Greek word, baptizo. 
And so what the translators did in all the versions of the Bible, they just took baptizo in the Greek and transliterated, just brought it straight over letter for letter into English. You know why? As you're going to see later on, the word baptizo means to immerse. That's what the word in Greek means, to immerse. Yet translators come to the scriptures, and they certainly want to translate the Bible, but they also want to make money. The Bible is the number one best-selling book ever, year after year after year. Could you imagine if they properly translated the word baptizo as immerse? You'd lose all the other Christian traditions that don't immerse. And so translators hundreds of years ago made the decision to not translate it, just bring the word over so they didn't offend anybody. But if you study the scriptures, and particularly if you are blessed to study them in their original language, you will know the word baptizo, what we say baptize in English, means to immerse. That is why we go to the trouble, not only for the symbol, but that's what the word means. Jesus predicted his own death, burial, and resurrection. Not only that, Jesus set the example. Jesus was baptized publicly. Jesus was baptized as an adult. It's not like Jesus came to John the Baptist and said, hey, listen, I'm going to come back tonight when there's nobody here. Let's just you and I go down a while. Let's just do real secret and nobody has to know. He did it in front of everybody. Publicly. And he did it as an adult. Set an example for us that he knew exactly what he was doing. He understood exactly what was happening. So this is why Jesus was baptized. He identified with sinful people like us. He predicted his own death and resurrection. He set the example for us. But let's make it more personal now. Why should I be baptized? Maybe you're sitting there and you know it's time to be baptized. You're not sure. Why should I be baptized then? Number one, as an act of obedience to God. As an act of obedience to God. Uh, Jesus himself chose to be baptized. Remember, I read the text. He comes to John. He says, okay, John, baptize me. John says, I don't think so. Uh, You should baptize me, not the other way around. Jesus said, no, do it. And Jesus commanded us to baptize, and he commanded us to be baptized. Part of the Great Commission we find in Matthew 28, 19. Look what Jesus says. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. It is a command from Jesus himself that we are to be baptized and that we are to baptize. Know this, that no one can be baptized for you, and no one can have you baptized. What do I mean by that? Well, if you have any Mormon friends, you might know that they're really into genealogy. You know why? Because they trace back their genealogy, making sure that everybody in their past is a Mormon or was a Mormon. And if they come across a, come across a great, 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 great grandmother who is not a Mormon, then they will go in the temple and get baptized on behalf of that person that died 100 years ago, 200 years ago. But guess what? You can't have somebody be baptized for you. And you can't have... Uh, Somebody, you can't be, uh, I'm getting confused here. Somebody else can't have you baptized. In other words, a lot of church traditions, they bring babies in and they baptize them. Did that baby receive Christ as Savior? Does that baby understand what's going on? Does that baby understand death, burial, and resurrection? I don't think so. So you can not only have somebody, you can't be, I can't say it. No one can be baptized for you and no one can have you baptized. And I want you to hear this. We say that Jesus is Lord. The word Lord means master or boss. How can Jesus be Lord if you disobey his first and easiest commandment? 
There is nothing easier than being baptized. Unless you're just deathly afraid of water, there is nothing easier than being baptized. It's a lot easier to be baptized than to love your enemies, which Jesus also told us to do. So how can you really call him Lord? He is my Lord. He's my master. He's my boss. But I'm going to disobey his first and easiest commandment. If that's the case, you might say he's your Lord. He ain't. Why should I be baptized? Number one, as an act of obedience to God. Number two, to follow Jesus' example. He thought baptism was important. How can we think it's not? When Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, knows it's important to be baptized, how can you guys say, well, it's not that big of a deal. I don't think I need to do this. It's a big deal. It's a big, big deal. And Jesus had no sins to symbolically wash away. Guess what? We do. And the third reason to be baptized is to gain church membership. Now, church membership isn't a biblical thing, but it's an important thing. It's part of being a responsible Christian. And the simplest definition of a church body is a body of baptized believers. And so in order to join this church, you have to make a public profession of Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you have to be baptized by immersion. And so if you'd like to join this church, or any Baptist church, really any Christian church, you need to be baptized. And so we see Jesus' insistence. He is just dead set. He is going to get baptized. But secondly, I want us to look at John's reluctance. John's reluctance when Jesus gets there and says, hey, I, I want to be baptized. John's like, what are you talking about? This is crazy. Because John knew that Jesus was his superior. John knew that Jesus was his superior, even though they were second cousins. So Mary and Elizabeth were first cousins. That makes uh, Jesus and John second cousins. And not only that, John was six months older than Jesus. And so just from that alone, your cousins, and I'm the older cousin, you would think the older cousin is superior. But John knew Jesus was superior. Not only that, John was the last Old Testament prophet. I know he shows up in the New Testament, but John is the last Old Testament prophet. Now, you know how important prophets were in the Old Testament? And here we have the last Old Testament prophet, and yet he's looking at Jesus and saying, you know what? Jesus, you're superior to me. I may be your second cousin. I may be older than you. you and, and I may be the last Old Testament prophet, but you are my superior. Flip a couple pages over to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 11. Look what Jesus said about John the Baptist. This is Jesus speaking about his cousin. 11, 11. Truly I say to you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Jesus himself says John's the greatest. And yet when John looked at Jesus, he knew that Jesus was his superior. How could that be? Because John knew Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God in the flesh. It doesn't matter that they're cousins. It doesn't matter that John is older. It doesn't matter that John is the last Old Testament prophet. It doesn't matter that Jesus would later say, he's the greatest. When you're in the presence of Messiah, God in the flesh, you know your inferiority. You know he is superior. But John is there and Jesus says, I want you to baptize me. And John says, no, why don't you baptize me? You are superior. Why don't you baptize me? This would be like if Billy Graham were having a crusade up in D.C. And he's getting ready to preach to this crowd of tens of thousands of people. 
And he comes here to the church. He says, hey, Brother Gary, I need some preaching tips. I need you to give me a little bit of advice. I need a good joke. I need, I need to understand the scriptures better. That would be the same thing. And Billy Graham comes to me, asks me for advice. I'd be like, no, you give me advice. Jesus comes to John. He says, baptize me. John says, this is ridiculous. And Jesus says, no, it will fulfill all righteousness. John knew that Jesus did not need to be baptized. John was baptizing people following their confession of sins. Jesus was perfect. Jesus had no sins to confess. And John's like, this doesn't even make sense. John's was not Christian baptism. Hear me. John's was not Christian baptism. In fact, John's disciples had to be rebaptized once they believed in Christ. Look here at Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse 3. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John truly baptized, baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So John's baptism was not Christian baptism because once people, even though they'd been baptized by John, once they trusted Christ as Savior, they had to be rebaptized. John's baptism is symbolic of preparation. Christian baptism is symbolic of salvation. They're both symbolic. But John's baptism was symbolic of where I'm waiting for Jesus to come. Christian baptism is Jesus has come. He's in my heart. John's baptism symbolized, symbolized repentance and cleansing. Not only that, but John the Baptist didn't baptize in any name. As we see earlier, Christian baptism is the name of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I know it's on the screen, but I want to break this to you. Jesus was not a Christian. Jesus was not a Christian. He was God in the flesh. He was not a Christian. Concerning his faith, he was Jewish. He was raised Jewish, circumcised Jewish, taught in the synagogue Jewish, baptized Jewish. He was not a Christian. And so we see Jesus' insistence. Secondly, we see John's reluctance. Thirdly, I want to see the Father's acceptance. As Jesus is resurfacing after his baptism, God demonstrates his approval. Look down in verses 16 and 17. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending upon him like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. We see the Father's acceptance. Again, Jesus is resurfacing from his baptism and God demonstrates his approval. First of all, by his words, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then by his spirit. Verse 16 says, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove. It isn't a dove, it's like a dove. Not only does Matthew tell us that, Mark tells us in chapter 1 and verse 10, John in chapter 1 and verse 32. And by the way, John was instructed to look for this sign. When he was out baptizing all these hundreds, thousands of people, whatever it was, he was told to look for this sign of the Spirit descending. Here it is in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 32. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. 
And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And so God demonstrates his approval, his word, his spirit. Of what did God approve? Well, he approved of Jesus himself, of course. He identified Jesus as his son. This is my beloved son. We know that terminology like from John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The emphasis in that, on that only begotten that he gave his only begotten son that word in the Greek really means only born, chief or unique. God gave his only born son. God gave his chief son. God gave his unique son. The emphasis is on only, not begotten. Only underscores the uniqueness of Jesus. And begotten indicates that the eternal son would be born, which we celebrate every Christmas. God approves of Jesus himself. He acknowledged his pleasure with Jesus. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He was pleased with what Jesus had done. He was pleased with what Jesus was doing in that moment. And he was pleased with what Jesus was going to do. When you think about it, baptism was Jesus' inauguration into ministry. Jesus, to the point he was baptized, he hadn't been going out and preaching and teaching and healing. His baptism was his inauguration into ministry. And what is true of Jesus is true of us. Our baptism should be our inauguration into ministry. Remember I said early, don't get things out of order. Receive Christ as Savior. Confess your sins, be baptized, then serve. Start your ministry. Even as Jesus' baptism was his inauguration into ministry, it is also ours. Of what did God approve? Jesus himself, Jesus' obedience, and Jesus' identification with sinners like you and like me. And I want you to notice uh, there's an emphasis on the Trinity here. I already mentioned that we baptize in the name of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And right here at Jesus' baptism, we see the Trinity. We see the Father speaking. We see the Son being baptized. We see the Spirit descending. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We also see that at the Annunciation when the angel announces to Mary that she's going to bear the Christ child. We see the Trinity there. So throughout the scriptures, we see evidence that God exists as one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we've seen Jesus' insistence. We've seen John's reluctance. We've seen the Father's acceptance. Finally, I want to bring it home and talk about our resistance. Our resistance. Some people are hesitant to be baptized. And I want to suggest this morning some reasons why people are hesitant to be baptized. And here they are in front of you. The first one is emotional. People are embarrassed. Especially if they've gone to this church for a long, long time and everybody just figured they were members, figured they were baptized and they weren't. And then they're going to stand up here and get dunked in front of everybody and they're embarrassed. Not only may they be embarrassed about that, they might be embarrassed about the fact that uh, once they're dunked and they come back up, they're going to be soaking wet and their makeup's going to be running. And so one of the reasons they might be hesitant to be baptized is they're embarrassed. It's emotional. Secondly, maybe it's technical. It's technical. They were already baptized. Oh, it's true, it was another mode. Uh, they were baptized by sprinkling or were they baptized by pouring. But Brother Gary, you said it's symbolic. So if it's symbolic, technically I was baptized. Or maybe you were baptized as an unbeliever. 
you were baptized as a baby or maybe even when you were a teenager, but you really didn't believe, just everybody went forward, everybody was getting baptized, and you just went along with the crew. So you'd say, technically, I was baptized. It was by immersion, Brother Gary. That's just a technicality. If you weren't a believer, it doesn't count. Thirdly, maybe there's a practical reason. I don't want to get baptized because once I'm baptized, people are going to expect more out of me. Once they know I'm baptized and I've made that public commitment, uh, people are going to have higher expectations of me. And let me agree with you there. It's easy to be baptized. It's hard to live baptized. It's easy to get baptized. I told you that's like the easiest command Jesus gave, unless you're deathly afraid of water. It is easy to be baptized. It's hard to live baptized. But let me tell you something else. God expects us to live holy lives whether we're baptized or not. 1 Peter 1.16 says, You be holy even as I am holy, saith the Lord. So if you're saying, well, I, you know, this gives me more freedom. If, as long as I don't get baptized, uh, people won't expect as much out of me. God won't expect out of much of me. i got news for you. God expects the same out of you whether you're baptized or not. But fourthly, there could be a spiritual reason why you're hesitant to be baptized. I want you to notice verse 17. I already read this. God the Father expresses his approval. Look at the very next verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And this isn't true in all the Gospels. As soon as Jesus is baptized, he's off to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Who wants that? Who wants to go toe-to-toe with Satan? You say, Brother Gary, the way I'm living my life right now, I don't ever encounter Satan. I've heard you talk about demons. I don't have any demons, and I'd like to keep it that way. Spiritual attacks are evidence of spiritual progress. Spiritual attacks are evidence of spiritual progress. If you are not experiencing any spiritual attacks, if you are not sometime and another going toe-to-toe with Satan or one of his demons, you're not going anywhere. You're not progressing. You're not engaging in sanctification, becoming more and more like Christ. You know why? Because if Satan is not coming knocking on your door... If he's not sending one of his demons to you, it's because he knows you're weak. He knows you are useless in the kingdom of God. So he's going to leave you alone. But once you start getting things right with God, once you start living for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to experience spiritual attacks. Maybe not from Satan himself, but maybe, but certainly from his demons. So some of you might say, well, I don't want to get baptized because I see what happened to Jesus. And I don't want that to happen to me. Just keep in mind that spiritual attacks are evidence of spiritual progress. Let me be just straight and frank with you this morning. All these, whether it's emotional, technical, practical, or spiritual, these are just excuses. And whatever else you're using, it's just an excuse. And obedience trumps excuses in every case. Let me ask you, do you need to be scripturally baptized. Do you? Not people, don't be looking around. Do you need to be scripturally baptized? Don't get tactical on me. Don't get emotional. Don't get practical. Don't get spiritual. Let's get real. Do you need to be scripturally baptized? Let me ask it more directly. Will you be scripturally baptized?
as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, will you be scripturally baptized? You say, Pastor Gary, yes, I need to be scripturally baptized, but I don't really care for you. <laughs> Fine with me. You got a dad, you got a grandpa, you got a friend that's a minister. You want, to get it, you want them to do it here? You want them to do it at the church where they serve? Fine with me. I don't care where you get baptized. I don't care who does it. I want you to be obedient to the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to like me. Maybe I don't like you either. I don't know. <laughs> do you need to be scripturally baptized? And will you be scripturally baptized? But before you are scripturally baptized, ensure that you're saved. Make sure that you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You have truly and genuinely received him as your Savior. You believe he died on the cross to pay for your sins. He was buried for your sins. And he rose again the third day. Do not get the cart before the horse. Make sure, ensure you have received Christ as your Savior. Then and only then. Should you be baptized? Can you go to heaven without being baptized? You better believe it. Remember the thief on the cross with Jesus? That thief didn't have any time to get down off that cross and go get baptized. What did Jesus say to him? Today you'll be with me in paradise. It's all symbolic, my friends. It's just a symbol. But it's an important symbol. And if you have not been scripturally baptized, you are disobedient, not to the church, You're not being disobedient to the pastor. You're being disobedient to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want you, if you need to be, I want you to get right with him. I want you to be obedient to him. And again, I'll work with you. I don't have to do it. It doesn't have to be here. Whatever you need. I want to help you, certainly in this way, become obedient to Jesus first and easiest command. So today, we see Jesus' insistence. He was going to get baptized no matter what. I mean, he was on his way there, and that's what he was going to do, and nothing was going to stop him, and nothing did. And then we see John's reluctance. John says, this this shouldn't be. You should baptize me, not the other way around. Jesus says, no. Because of obedience, this will be a righteous act. And then thirdly, we see the Father's acceptance. When Jesus was obedient, he was baptized by immersion by John the Baptist. He comes up out of the water, and God says, This is my beloved son. I am pleased with him. And the Spirit came and descended upon him like a dove, showing God's approval. And even as God approved, God the Father approved of Jesus' baptism, he will approve of yours if it is done scripturally as a believer by immersion. And we look lastly at our resistance. Why do we resist being baptized? All those reasons, and maybe you've got a whole set of others. They're just excuses. And obedience trumps excuses in every case. Stop being disobedient. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and fulfill his first and easiest command. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for this lesson from your word. Continue to teach us. Continue to grow us in your grace and knowledge. 
And Father, we pray for folks in the room. We pray for folks that are watching online or listening later. Folks that aren't saved, Lord, that's our main concern as it is yours. That by grace through faith, they would receive Christ as their personal Savior and be saved forever. And following their salvation, they would be scripturally baptized in obedience to you. We thank you for your grace in Jesus' name.